0: Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and as always, I am joined by...
1: New day, new Beth.
2: Groggy Sam.
3: at <laughs> ego, soon Caleb.
2: Hello, Caleb. Hello, Caleb.
3: Ave. Uh, now I gotta start looking <laughs> at the greetings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can call in some Latin expertise, but we might not have time.
1: Latin.
0: <laughs> we'll do it like Pawn Stars. <laughs> yeah, I gotta call my expert. Yeah, no, welcome back to my co-hosts as well, as it has been uh, a bit of time since we have recorded last, and I'm glad to be getting back to it.
3: Justin, it's only been one week. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> I specifically mentioned last episode that there's a buffer. I think that K-Fame is, is done with... <laughs>
3: it's look sometimes time is a weird soup and wait it's only been true. a week since recording and we're good to go so yeah let's jump into it
2: of course it's still real to me damn it <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right yeah we are we're back today for uh the conclusion of part two uh, we read chapters 29 through 33 uh, and we've got uh We've gotten some of our uh, our groups of characters back together now uh, and had uh, a couple of, of moments that I'm very glad that we got to see. So I'm excited yeah. for this week's section.
3: Yeah, we even got a resolution on to count the skulls. Oh, wait. No, nope, we still haven't gotten that. No, nope, I, I <laughs> know. Justin! I know. I was
0: looking still... ahead to see how how far that was. So we'll get there. I promise. We'll count some skulls. We, we will count, count. some skulls. So, yeah, that's true. Let's try to make that a new like saying. It's like, oh, don't worry, we'll count some skulls.
3: But where was fourth skull?
0: We don't know yet. Oh. We haven't counted them.
1: Yeah, we. <laughs> there might can be we a fourth even count skull. To four?
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I think we can just go ahead and, and get started with our, our chapters. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so our epigraphs we're resuming here with uh, some discussion of the the kind of construction of the final Empire. And something that we've touched on once or twice is uh, the the kind of strange tech level that the final Empire exists at, which is vaguely, you know, yield fantasy medieval, but has a couple of of things that kind of stick out. Uh, and they mention one here. Uh, of pocket watches uh, which have just kind of existed for a very long time and you'd think that if if pocket watches existed there'd be further development and there just kind of isn't so it's a little strange that way
3: yeah it's very uh i mean this in a good way um because it's a game i love it's very dnd-esque of like the tech is just <laughs> whatever is like good for the story gunpowder exists but also no one really knows about it so it's a super rare thing and also I I definitely have had a character in one of my campaigns just take out a watch without thinking about the fact that probably should not have a watch at this point in time
1: (laughs) someone in the final empire took out their pocket watch and was like but what if and then looked at their wrist and the lord ruler had him assassinated on the spot
3: (laughs) (laughs) that tech is
2: too advanced (laughs) You want to put that watch where on your wrist? <laughs> Are you would save it? Not in my empire. In this empire, it's
3: <laughs> <is> pockets only.
2: <laughs> but we know
0: they have pockets because they're in those, those fashionable clenny suits.
1: It's true. That's true.
0: Do the dresses have pockets? Actually, yes, we know that. They yes, have like that's been kn-
3: established. We have like knife pockets. <laughs> because of good old... God, I wish that were me. Man, whose name I know, and his assistant, the lad.
1: Fel... 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 Feldo? Feldo?
2: Feldo.
3: Fel, Feldo. and his lad, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Alright, so, yeah. Uh, starting <laughs> starting chapter 29 itself, uh, we do have the first um, rejoining of groups of characters as the, the contingent that uh, has uh, Sazed and Breeze, has now also made it to Urto, uh, and very shortly we'll be meeting up with Spook.
2: They're all together because they're expendable.
3: <laughs> what? That—that's that, that's what Breeze
2: says. <laughs> that's what Breeze says. <laughs> okay, I
3: thought you were—I thought you were going straight to theory section. I was like, oh.
0: <laughs> no, Breeze says you know, Elland is important, and he sends us because we have authority,
2: and if we die, the empire doesn't collapse. I just saw uh, Scream 6 in the theater and I was like, all right, <laughs> rereading this, like, yeah, they're all, they're all expendable. There's a whole speech in it, like about, you know, we're all requel characters. We can like, literally because Scream is such a meta franchise, they were like, we're all, we're all franchise characters. They can kill us off. Nobody's safe. Yeah. Except for Ellen and Vin, Vin who will never die. Weren't you the one who said Vin is going to die? Yes. Which means she's not. She's protected. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> We're still betting zero here. Wait. You
3: can't predict something and then go, and now I know it, like... Actually, I said the same thing about Ham, so I can't... I was going to say, you, you
0: are the one who has figured out how this works with Ham.
3: That's true, but now I have fully flipped. So I I... I, I... I'm not calling anything out, but I will ask at this point, Sam, do you actually think Vin will live or die?
2: Oh, on the spot um uh I. Th- <laughs> the reason why it came out of nowhere was kind of because it came out of nowhere for me. I was like, oh well. <laughs> i think i think I think this is the last book in a contained trilogy, um and if she continues to live, then it's like. Uh, not contained <laughs> like as far as i know like she other stuff have happens on containment <laughs> exactly there's a <laughs> containment breach vin's loose <laughs> but there's I mean... a
1: Vin loose in the cosmere <laughs>
2: <laughs> just to just to clock this the the whole cosmere in general i think scadrio like continues as an entity but i feel like the the core crew is in the trilogy and then he moves on to you know other people uh other stories so um why let any of them live i don't know <laughs> all right <laughs> that's my attitude that's it's not a strong argument but it would be interesting
3: yeah it would be interesting if
2: well, I will, I will spoil the rest of this week's
0: episode and say that Vin does not die in these five chapters. And so we will have three more sections to prove or disprove your point. It's
2: true. Exactly. I'll,
3: I just want to go on record and apologize for not remembering what Bree said. It has only been a week since we last recorded so it, so that's on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, they have, they have arrived at Erto. Uh, the citizen is wasting no time in uh, having a meeting with them. Uh, and is also wasting no time in expressing his opinion on the fact. As basically the first thing he says to them is, "You aren't wanted here."
2: So good start <laughs> for the uh, ambassadorship. Yeah. As, as I as I wrote in my note, citizen wants to meet with Caesar right away. Comedy beat. Jump to the citizen saying to fuck off. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Great.
0: Uh, Please come see me immediately. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> So this is, uh, I, I like the description here. It would be a very interesting image, uh, on, on screen, uh, especially contrasting later in this section where you have Vin and Ellen returning to the balls. Uh, you have Quellian here holding audience in what's basically an empty room. <laughs> like there is, there is a desk, uh, and there are some stools for them to sit on. And even like the walls are painted white. It is just like a void box.
3: <laughs> mm. Can't have any of those bur bourgeoisie inventions like chairs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like it's like the French Revolution with no art. <laughs> There's all sorts of art in the French Revolution. There was, was quite there was a, a bit of a glorious time. Yeah. There's a there's one of a guy getting his head cut off by two two ladies. That does exist, Feminism. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Feminism, <laughs> girl power.
1: Yeah, God forbid a woman do anything.
0: So the uh, the negotiations, as they are, uh, begin. They they do go beyond uh, Quarian just telling them to fuck off, uh, but they don't go great. Uh, in that Quelian has some very strong opinions on the conduct of Emperor Venture, uh, and Sazed uh, and Breeze can offer their uh, th- their opinions on th- the Emperor being a good man and doing what's good for the people and all that, but uh, from quelian's point of view, that is not convincing at all, and he is... Uh, very firmly following what he thinks is the guidance of the survivor. Uh, and they're, uh, they're at a bit of an impasse here.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, Lord. The moment where Quellian says, um, if you had sent a nobleman, I would have killed him and sent back his blackened skull. One, skull? Why is he talking about skulls? How many? Just one? What's going just on most... here? Just one. Um. Two, I can just imagine, you know the sock monkey with the eyes meme where it's like gives the side eye to the camera Mm -hmm. that's got to be breeze in this moment
1: right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's breeze and arian looking at each other
3: (laughs) yeah i forgot arian's in the room too yep (laughs) (laughs)
0: sure (laughs) hope there aren't any nobles here
4: (sighs) Mm.
2: breeze he's one of the world's most vile men Uh, i don't know the most (laughs) But he is kind of a vile man, if you're looking at it from, like, an outsider perspective. <laughs> creeping on Alrian and everything. Except Alrian more creeping on him the yeah. other way. Yeah. I mean, like, if you extend the scale
0: all the way up to, like, Straff Venture, Bree's not so vile. But without that point of comparison... Yeah. <laughs> I would describe him as
2: Gross.
1: Yeah, he's kind of an ass, but saying one of the world's most vile men, girl, <laughs> calm down.
0: Breeze's uh, status as actual nobility notwithstanding, uh, Quelian does call him out uh, with, as as he says, one of the world's most vile men. Uh, also calls him out for presumably soothing everyone, uh, which I assume that this is just a... a I was going to say lucky guess on Quelian's part, but if he knows anything about Breeze, it's not a difficult guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then Breeze Breeze recovers very well in kind of just using this to play more mind games. Uh but it is a it is a mark against this party with with uh, all of Quelian's anti-alamancy rhetoric to to have him come in and do his thing where he just automatically soothes everyone he encounters all the time for no good reason
3: uh there's a little bit of uh the uh venture negotiation tactic of hey i know you're pushing on emotions of course i am but i meant to and i meant for you to notice and that way you know i'm so powerful Mm -hmm. um i it is it is a very good recovery and i the um i don't know it's one of those moments like whenever you're meeting like the super arrogant villain and you do call you you cause them to like pause and think about something for a minute it feels like you're winning a couple points there no matter what, so the fact that Quillian's like ah, hmm it's, it, <laughs> it, it, it is a good recovery I like Reese's recovery there
1: I wonder, I'm sure he has a spin for it, I wonder what Quellian's spin is on the fact that Kelsier super was a Mistborn cause he calls he's like, Alamancy, the black tool of the nobility well how do you yeah. feel about your your sort of god figurehead and his whole deal then?
3: There's no way of knowing if Kelsey actually <laughs> had nobody ever met the guy. So like That's true. How that it could all be just parts of the legend that don't fit in with my viewpoint, and thus I'm just gonna <laughs> ignore that.
1: Oh hell, yeah. sorry, there's a dog outside my window. I got excited. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> So, Sazed uh, raises what I think is a good point uh, in that they are they have come to this city uh, in some sense to control it, uh, but their reasoning is one that's very visible externally in the world, uh, with the the mists coming earlier, uh, the ash falling. Sazed you know, can, can quite rightly say there's something very wrong going on in the world and you need our help because there's nothing you can do about it by yourself there might not yet be anything that that ellen and his people can do about it either but they'll work on that part
2: strong together hopefully weak together powerless alone (laughs)
0: But the end of, of this negotiation is that Quellian begrudgingly allows them to stay in the city, uh, but says that there will be no further meetings. Uh, he, he's barely even accepting of them even staying. Uh, and they take their leave.
2: Yep. Hey, can I stick around and maybe meet with you again? No. F- fine. Stay here. I don't care. I'm never meeting with you again, though. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, like what, what is their goal
3: if Quellian's plan is "I won't meet with you again"?
0: Quellian <laughs> does seem to be kind of making this all up as he goes. Like mm-hmm. they, they can probably change his mind. I, I think is their view.
3: There's also one thing that I expected to be a faux pas of Sazen mentioning the Coloss run free. If I were Quellian, I would see that as a threat. I would assume that was a threat because I feel like it's probably well known that Ellen has a bunch of Coloss now, um, and it's part of Sazed's kind of grand speech that uh, um, we all need to stick together because it's so chaotic. And so the idea of he was like, and also those Coloss, you better watch out for them. If I were Quellian, I'd be like, mm, I think that's a
2: threat. Well, it, he he says as much. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Yeah, Venture Controls the coloss.
3: It's only been a week since I read this. I don't know why I'm forgetting so many details.
2: <laughs> There's been a lot of it's weekend been, this week. It's been one week since we've looked at this book. Something, <laughs> something, and you're angry. Does anybody actually know the lyrics to that? <laughs> of course. I
3: think that was, that was uh, it. That's what it was.
2: That's it. All and right. you're angry.
0: So as uh, the newly arrived... Uh, Ambassador Party is departing from this meeting. Uh, they are trying to find a place to stay, uh, and they are joined by a suspiciously well-informed soldier uh, who just kind of joins their group, uh, who tells them that there is a there is a fancy stuff burning going on uh, that is definitely to show off for the, the newly arrived ambassador. Uh, and Breeze realizes, that uh it is spook who has come to kind of sneak his way into the group here and and rejoin them
3: yay yeah that got me i legit thought it was just a weirdly talkative <laughs> random guard and so the, the review i was like
1: oh shit nice <laughs> i like that this is just a recurring bit that spook does because he did this in will of ascension too he he turns up in a soldier outfit just to screw with everyone for like 15 to 30 seconds.
0: <laughs> so Spook gets right into uh, helping them uh, as he has chosen a place for them to stay. Uh, apparently there are no real inns in the city uh, as uh, per the citizens' mandate, uh, the The people of Erto should help each other and, and stay with each other, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so uh, the the place that Spook has chosen uh, is the abandoned building of the canton of inquisition uh which is a little weird but, like <laughs> it would just be a weird feeling i think
3: i know one's using it it's fine
0: i mean he he says you know i think quellian is afraid of inquisitors and breeze says a healthy and rational fear <laughs> yeah.
1: still sitting in the carriage
0: <laughs> but yeah this is uh this is going to be their their home base they Pry some of the boards off and, and move in. Spook has no trouble with it.
3: Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah, he's it's it makes sense that he'd just start flexing. That feels in character.
2: <laughs> yeah, probably. But it's so interesting because it's just a continuation of, like, people underestimate Spook. Which yeah. is fair because he was kind of a huge whiner for the first <laughs> two books. But, <laughs> but now he's cool he's
0: uh he, he he's being kind of quippy about the fact that he is always just falling head over heels over some random girl uh huh. as uh says it addresses him as lord spook as says it does to to many people you know lord so-and-so uh and and spook says no i i don't have a title didn't get ellen to give me one um which apparently was just so that he could impress women. And he's like, of course, what else would you have a title for? To impress women? (laughs) And yeah, Says it has his his first glimpse of, wow, Spook sure does seem a lot stronger than I remember. File that away and not realize what's going on yet. (laughs) As they uh as they enter the canton itself, uh there's a moment that in the annotations Brandon mentions is a, a very small parallel to the beginning of Well of Ascension when Sazed and Marsh are exploring... Uh, I have forgotten the name of it.
3: The... Sco- ca- Sarah- Conventicle Saren. of Saran.
1: There you
0: go.
3: Yes! I got all the syllables right, but I got them mixed
0: up. Just have to put them in the right order. Uh, but um, where Marsh just wanders into this building because he has steel sight and says it has to remind him I can't see. Uh, and it's, it's a slightly different uh, it's, it's slightly different here where it's, it's just spooks enormous amount of, of tin uh, where, yeah, he's just walking in there and and says it has to say, we, we can't see in the dark, please help. So, so there is a, there is a light that is, is made and they start to uh, Kind of move in.
3: It is funny having Aurean here and be kind of in a weird way for this specific scene, the audience surrogate, because I don't think the characters have said what's in this cache yet, even though they know. So we have to have one character who goes, wait, you already know what's down here? What's it going to be? What could it be? So there could be the <laughs> grand reveal of 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 what's actually here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this, this particular Canton building uh, is not only a a large, probably well-defendable building that the citizen has ignored. Uh, it is also the location of the, the hidden storage cache. Uh, because, so that is where uh, Spook goes. There's a, there's a hidden hatch to a, a ladder uh, down into a, a large cavern. So they, they've got a, a kind of double uh, hidden base here. Where they have the the whole Canton building upstairs, and then they have this uh, this this cavern down below.
3: So I I'm jumping the gun because they don't discuss it until later, but it is mentioned at one point that the the cache was built and this giant like basin was built, but it wasn't until the earthquakes that it probably filled up because it filled up from the water above. So. Most of the storage caches seem like the supplies were already there. It feels slightly weird that it's like my supply cache is the supplies you already have, but I'll just like keep it somewhere else once once the earthquakes hit. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I yeah, that was just, that was just slightly weird to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think we can we can kind of skip past all of them going down into this cavern to to find what we find. Uh, is that this is? Uh, they've found themselves a very defensible location. There's a uh, a, a very secure door. Uh, there's a place where they can they can store all of their supplies. There is some some food down here because there's some of that in all the caches. Uh, and then what they have uh, is a massive underground lake that is uh, completely full of of water. And as Caleb mentioned, as we'll learn uh, in the future, uh, but we we can mention it now. Uh, that's where all of the water in the canals went. It's all down here.
3: That's a lot of water. I don't know. I just, I found it very funny thinking about Lord Ruler planning out these caches. It's like, all right, yeah. this is where we're going to put all the special metals. This is where we're going to put all the food. In this one, just a big old hole. And the water will get there eventually.
0: And we're going to take it from the city that's on top of it.
3: Yep, job well done. This cache is prepared now.
0: Like, honestly, that kind of tracks. It's like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to... We're going to put all the water here so I can use it. And and, and the people I, I want to use it can use it. And the city, eh, whatever.
3: It's got to lose the water anyways. It's fine.
0: So, yeah, with the, the Urto crew having uh, found themselves a, a safe haven, uh, we will return to them later uh, as we go to Chapter 30 and uh, off to Phadrax City. Uh, we first have our, our chapter 30 epigraph, uh, talking about the way that Rashik interacted with the, the terrorist religion, uh, cause that was something way back in Final Empire that Cezid, uh, was very familiar with was the fact that the terrorist religion had been, uh, kind of stamped out, uh, and the, the theory that is offered here by the, the epigraph writer, uh, is that, uh, it was it was actually the prophecies about the Hero of Ages that Rashik was trying to kind of get rid of uh, on to try to remove the off chance that, as actually ended up happening, that somebody else would come and take the power from the well uh, so that when the power did return, he could take it and do what he thought needed to be done with it.
2: Like moving the earth back. Maybe not. I feel like he's in too deep with the whole shunting the earth toward the sun thing.
3: No, I already <laughs> moved it there. No take backs. Got to fix it now. That's what, that's, that's what we're doing. I've
1: never made a mistake. <laughs> never so made
4: what a mistake, st- What
0: would the next step be? Because you had you had moved the planet to get rid of the mists. Okay, it's too hot, so make the ash mounts to cool it off. Now make there's ash everywhere. So, so make... Uh, make the people like more resilient, and the the food can grow, even though it's kind of shitty. So, like, what's the next step? If he's not going to undo
3: any of that, I'm, I think we're good. I think we got a society here. That's great.
1: <laughs> Maybe With... he just restores the balance that got sort of interbred out. He's like, wait, put that back.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We we want we want ska and we want nobles. I worked on that. <laughs>
3: This epigraph does also make me question, or remind me of a question. If he is obscuring knowledge of the hero and what he was supposed to do, something that's been bothering me since end of the Final Empire, why keep Alendi's journal around? What is the actual, like, purpose of having that in a little shrine room that anyone can read?
0: It's a good question. I wonder if it was just kind of a you know a a reminder of him to what he's going to need to do in some way but like as as an immortal with access to fair and therefore copper mines you'd think that external reminders wouldn't be so necessary
2: i'm not sure well he was kind of a nostalgic guy he had the room in the room yeah so but
3: but why not keep the book there why had like the book was pretty much lying out in the middle of nowhere where anyone could find it and that's just kind of wild to me because it kind of did between that and the maladium kind of did hold the secrets to everything he was trying to keep secret
1: He wanted to keep it around for nostalgia's sake, but he was like, hmm, does remind me of that time I super murdered that guy. So we're just going to put it just out of eyeshot. <laughs> so I could go back to it if I want to, but I don't have to be reminded of it like every day.
0: Well, we will we will see what more we can learn about Rashik in the, the coming epigraphs, because there's probably going to be some more there. So into chapter 30, uh, we are back to, to Fadrex City. Uh, and Vin and Ellen are preparing to attend the ball which is a bit more high stakes than the last time they both did
2: this uh, so there's some some extra preparation to do he's annoyed that, that uh, Ham and Set aren't trying to talk him out of it these are the two characters least likely to try and talk you out of anything
3: <laughs> yeah Ham was the one that was like hell yeah go attack that colossus fortress
2: Ellen." <laughs> Yeah seriously Ham was the one who guided you out And was like I'm not coming with you But if you want to go go for it I'll show you how to get there <laughs> So Seth's cavalier and Ham is like oh, Just <laughs> easy going You know Just
3: be careful kids
2: <laughs> These are not the people to say no Don't do that Ham will say a lot of things He will just not
0: actually draw firm conclusions <laughs> He will pontificate and he does do some of that. Uh, when uh, when Set says, a king doesn't have to please anyone, he's the one with the army, uh, Ham points out, well, then the king does have to please the army, right? So that they actually enforce the fact that he doesn't have to please anyone else. <laughs> but then, you know, maybe the army enjoys pushing people around and so that already pleases them. Maybe that works. So we get a little bit of uh, philosophizing ham here
3: yeah i love this because it's been established like ellen flat out acknowledges that ham's been not himself recently and i love this kind of casual reveal of oh it's just because breeze isn't around and he doesn't have anyone to spar with but now that he realizes
0: set wait i can annoy Seth. <laughs>
3: that he's back to normal he's so he's happy again
0: so after that there is a, a a bit of a a practical and uh, somewhat grim note as they go over the the line of succession uh, as both Vin and Ellen are preparing to go uh, into I guess enemy territory uh, and so obviously Vin is is next as the Empress uh, but if they both die uh, apparently rule passes to Set. Uh, and then after that is Sazed, though he's not here, so that doesn't help so
1: much. It's actually, Sazed it, it, is technically next. It's just that Set is around, so he could take direct control of the army, which makes me wonder how Sazed feels about that. <laughs> I can't imagine he would love being emperor.
3: Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he's already not not having a good time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, even just being... Even people suggesting that he be in charge of the terrorist people is is too much. Much less, you know, the world.
3: Ellen also has a nice Joe Biden moment of telling Set, who is not able to walk, I suggest that you run. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah, it can be a metaphorical running. I... So as uh, as Elland has wrapped up the kind of preparations of matters of state, uh, he prepares to to head off, and then is uh, gets a uh, a moment from a very different genre where he is stunned at the appearance of Vin in her dress,
2: uh, and it's just <laughs> a fun little moment. Oh, great to have uh, Vin, you know, get get to take a breath, you know. And, and just enjoy being a a a person for for uh, maybe the first time this book yeah you know? it's it, it there's not been a lot of time for that I mean, arguably there's not time for it now but well you know, <laughs> but, you know they're in charge it's they can a strategy. Make, they can make it
3: yeah we also have a very cute conversation of ham being like oh it's like my kids are all grown up which was really really sweet and does not bring up oh shit my actual kids are growing up right
1: now yeah. I I I know it's only been a week since we read it. <laughs> he does say You're like my own God children, adults before I time In fact, I probably know you and Elle before I know better than any of my kids. God damn it.
2: It's only been a week. <laughs> and Vin also says she's twenty one. I I was she's about to 21. ask you. <laughs> she's twenty one. Oh shit. Ages. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, comma hero of let's do it it's
0: <laughs> where the book is shelved under
1: yeah <laughs> uh, and there,
0: there's a uh a very fun moment where uh vin had had apparently said before on like oh you know she'll uh she'll find something you know one of the one of the the staff here will have a dress that we can modify and make it pretty and now has come up with this this gorgeous gown and ellen is like is my staff really that well-dressed like hang on uh and then uh and then she's being all mysterious on you know Mistborn are, are so mysterious and, and Ellen says I am also a Mistborn that does not make sense uh and then we get the 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 Kelsier quote of we Mistborn need not make sense <laughs> and then as we we wrap on that scene uh, Ham settles in for some good old fashioned annoying his com- compatriots, uh, as Set cannot actually leave, which seems awfully rude, but okay.
3: I feel, set has like servants that carry him around. I feel like Set could actually leave if he wants. He could, to.
0: yeah. And we we learned from uh, from our last segment when Vin was chatting with Slow Swift that Set does have a. Uh, a bit of a, a, a more, um, not quite academic, but, uh, he, he has some appreciation for words and what they can do. So I, I think he's perhaps not as, uh, as annoyed by this as he is portraying.
4: Hmm.
0: Uh, as they, as we see Vin and Ellen then heading towards the ball, uh, there's a brief note on the, uh, the slight impracticality of this as the, the gown does make,
2: uh, jumping across the city a little difficult and yet she is the most graceful of the two of them
0: yes <laughs> we we do have another moment of ellen does have the the strength, strength uh, but even encumbered by a very fancy gown vin is better at
2: at doing these jumps i will admit this was the first time that i clocked like okay ellen's powerful but bad at you know grace um mm-hmm. you know prior to this we'd mentioned it but this is like uh, grace is the game you know right. right now so this was the biggest like uh, contradiction you know or the biggest uh uh highlight of how ungraceful ellend is mm-hmm. there is a uh, a a moment of clarification
0: as vin does actually say uh no there was a there was a dressmaker in the city and i made some deals and did get this dress <laughs> uh, and then we have
3: well uh, that's actually Ellen says you paid a dressmaker and Vince says no I actually paid a friend inside the city to have it made for her yeah but ha- what friends does she know inside the city like I, that that moment was weird to me am I supposed to wh- I assume it was slow swift who is the friend inside the yeah. city how does she have a friend inside the city
1: I, I also, also assumed hoid. it was slow swift
3: <laughs> is it? Is it? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Hang on. Was that? Was that a joke, or is that what it's supposed to be? Because she mentioned Slow Swift in the next sentence, but it doesn't actually like specifically say that he gave her a he got a dress made for her.
2: Yeah, I think we're just assuming. I don't think it's in the in the book. It's not in the book, and it's not in the annotations either. It would have been a nice scene, though.
3: Yeah, I wanted more Slow Swift. So if it was Slow Swift, I'm sad we didn't get that. <laughs>
0: So as they arrive at the ball itself, uh, this is one of my favorite individual moments of this book uh, where there's a whole procedure to, you know, arrival and presentation of the guests here. uh, And Vin and Ellen just drop right into the middle of the party. And it's awesome.
1: It's so good.
2: And uh, (laughs) I wrote, uh, you know... You know, Ellen shoves the servant out of the way with pewter. While another runs for the guards, and then I wrote, "This is going to get Carrie, isn't it?" <laughs> Thankfully, it doesn't. But but that was the impression I was getting for the for that second. Like, all right, <laughs> things are a little extreme right away. Yeah, they calm down. Uh,
0: they they calm down and have a moment of uh, just the most brazen display of authority. Uh, as they they arrive at the the party itself, uh, and they are they're going to be introduced as is custom, uh, and Ellen has a an introduction card uh, so that they can be introduced as High Emperor Lord Ellen Venture and the Empress Vin Venture, heir of the Survivor Hero of Ages. As the whole party stops. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Ellen's getting better at the misborn being extra thing. Mm-hmm.
0: I was gonna say this is this is the this is concentrated misborn drama here. But yeah, once uh once everyone gets over the the shock of this utter brazenness, I the the ball does resume, and and Ellen says, you know, they do think they can just ignore everything else because this is, you know, we're we're all the way back to Final Empire. This is a. Uh, this is a full-fledged nobility society party.
2: Right back to it, and uh, shortly thereafter, Vin and Ellen split up, and Vin and Ellen have very different strategies for <laughs> talking to party goers. That, that they do. You're all gonna fucking die. I'm gonna kill all of you. Hey, everybody, <laughs> it's me, Ellen. <laughs> I'm your buddy, and we're just gonna
1: take the city. We're my friends. Dear Bluntvin.
0: So we do get our first sight of uh Yeoman, the, the king of the Western dominance, uh, who is uh, as we, we knew an obligator. Uh and so uh has his head shaved, has the the eye tattoos, uh, and is uh yeah. You know, ellen is is going to meet with him but we will we'll have to see a little bit before that
2: as it's it's time for them to mingle Vin goes straight to the biggest fish in the pond yeah (laughs) She, she gets to
0: break out the the skills that she had practiced in final empire of uh how to conduct yourself at a party where you don't you, you you have an ulterior motive, and you don't totally know everyone. This is something that she did. Uh, and she sizes up the room, uh, finds uh, the local equivalent of Shannel Ariel, uh, and walks right up and becomes in charge.
3: <laughs> you gotta find the biggest guy in prison on your first day and go up and punch him in the face. <laughs> very, very much that energy, that trope but it works for Vane. It actually works very well.
2: It does work. Just throw a grenade in the room.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she she begins the conversation at this table with, she's planning to betray you. She's going to get out of the city, uh, and she'll leave you all to die. But I will protect you. There you go.
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm the Empress. <laughs> Hey Empress Vin, I also killed somebody with a stone arrow.
0: <laughs> I I do love the exchange of uh you know your threats do not frighten me. I haven't threatened you yet. We could get to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it turns out that this is this is not only the uh the local equivalent of Shan Ilarial. Uh the Lady Patresen is in fact a cousin of the Ilarials. Uh, and so Vin gets to to flex a little bit more, uh, uh, as you said with the the stone arrow, of yeah, you know, Shan was Shan was clever. Shan was a good
2: Mistborn. I killed her, you know, could do that here. <laughs> and I wrote in my notes I had a put prediction. Yo, are we you gonna did. see Teldin? Turn the page. <laughs> it's Teldin. It's it's fucking Teldin. <laughs> That's so we'll much get to fun, Teldin. I
3: also. I also had a putt prediction that we would see Kliss and I was wrong. Oh, that Aww. would have been good.
2: That
0: would have been good. Would have been a fun moment with uh with Vin of I I can guess that the two of them would be surprisingly upfront with each other if they ran mm-hmm. into each other again. And I think that yeah. would be a fun moment.
3: From the end of Final Empire, I was like, I kind of hope Cliss comes back because I could see them still being allies. I think it would be a lot of fun. Where, like, Mm -hmm. now that they fully understand what each other are capable of, they probably won't get along, but I could see them, like, interacting a lot more. I thought it would be a lot of fun, but alas.
1: Oh, I there's a there's a world where Cliss is one of the informants that Vin meets on her first trip around the city and then is the one who helps her get the dress.
0: Oh She could've yeah. been the one that
1: makes the dress! Oh yeah oh,
0: Brandon.
1: I wanna live with Brandon. That Brandon <laughs> Brandon.
0: So yeah, at the uh at at the end of the interaction here with, with Lady Paterson, uh where Vin just puts it all on the table of we're here to take the city we will kill if needed uh, and we do want allies so if, if you help us then maybe we won't have to kill you uh, punctuates it with the, the very dramatic soothing uh, and then just walks away and
2: everyone follows her <laughs> great job Ben done with great grace mm-hmm. style grace panache. <laughs> So
0: yeah, that was uh, that was Vin's introduction at the party. Uh, we will briefly divert back to Ortau and then we will return for uh, Ellen's side of, of the evening. Uh, before we get to Ortau, we have a, a very short uh, epigraph that is setting up some of the ones that will follow uh, where uh, the writer is musing about uh, Rashik's uh, tendency to dress in black and white. Uh, as what they assume is is a uh, a nod at being of both Ruin and Preservation. Uh, and then the writer here says, uh, Rashik only held one of those two powers, and only very briefly. So that is that is somewhat of a stretch. And we will hear more about Ruin and Preservation coming up.
3: Yeah, it is, I think, very intentional and very interesting to have this epigraph placed here right after it's been so, like, Firmly established because it, it's all the rage when going to the ball of what are they going to wear. Ellen is dressed entirely in white. Vin is dressed entirely in black. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have the epigraph point out the dichotomy there is really interesting.
2: So Rashik was their child.
3: Uh, that that would be a, <laughs> That's a new one. That's new.
2: Because he's wearing both black and white, therefore. No, I
3: understand the thought process. No, I know I what just, you're saying. My, my brain is, is starting to <laughs> short-circuit itself thinking about that.
0: <laughs> I am going to gently remind of the uh no time travel clause and uh hope that we can avoid <laughs> tangling ourselves in in that mess too much. Okay.
2: <laughs> was not a not a genuine prediction. <laughs> I I know. God damn it. Also what reserva- what a uh, reservation and pruin are is like my crying of lot 49 to harken back to my previous thing I, I still don't know what the crying of lot 49 what is lot 49 what a ruin and preservation i don't know i'm trying
3: <laughs> to be fair we're only halfway through the book there's there we, we have time to get the answers it's not 49 yet <laughs> that would be incredible if we end the book and justin goes so sam and caleb what we're really <laughs> preservation and we say nothing and then that's the end of the podcast and we just and end just the episode says...
2: you all may leave
1: not the end of our our missed board episodes but the end of the podcast altogether.
3: Oh, yeah no. podcast cancelled can't come back from that
0: alright uh yeah returning to the city of Berto uh the the crew here is uh getting a good look at the the massive reservoir here Uh, And it does seem to be a a very intentional design where there were there were channels and passages cut uh, so that water could be uh, could be drained into here and and held.
2: Which I kind of get because you can like filter it and keep it free of ash and all that stuff. Uh, What I pictured, though, was every other supply cache has had like discreetly contained items like when you go to Fadrex City and we see the gunpowder, it's going to be in barrels. Uh, but, um, but in Orto, it's just like I I pictured like bottled water or something like that. But it's canned just water canned yeah, water. Water in cans.
3: I, th- that that's kind of I think where where my brain was trying to get at. I just couldn't put it into words because I'm just I'm imagining the scenario where Lord R- Lord Ruler gets defeated, but it's like several decades before preservation and ruin start acting up again and so they start finding all these caches and they get to this one and it's just fucking empty and it's like well what what what's going on here what's the deal with this it's not like when he was planning it out the supplies weren't actually in the room um ready to go um and so and then yeah now that the fact that it's just kind of out in the middle of nowhere yeah I eh, i just think it's kind of funny
0: i'm being distracted by looking up a photo of canned water which does exist
2: yeah it's a Liquid is it, Death, I think.
3: Is that, is that some Canadian thing? With their bagged milk, they'll have canned water.
2: No, it's, uh, it, it's so that if you're at a party and you don't drink, you can still look like a badass by drinking like... Like Liquid Death has uh, a picture of a skull oh. on it, and that means I'm a badass.
3: Ah, I did just remember the Chicago Initiative, which I want to forget every day, but... Um, I forgot that Chicago did put a considerable amount of money into having its own brand of canned water. I've forgotten until now.
0: There's also um, something that's been done a couple of times for um, disaster relief where um, major, um, I think it's mostly breweries or like soda companies uh, have just like turned off all of the adding extra things part of their production line and just start shipping
3: out cases and cases of canned water to to areas that need it i just want to f- apologize for my former statements making fun of canned water i feel like an asshole now um so, uh, sorry about that
1: your mocking of Chicago can absolutely stand, though.
3: Yes, I stand by that. I thought, <laughs> when you said liquid death, Sam, I thought that was like an insult to how canned water usually tastes. I thought that was like a descriptor <laughs> of it.
2: Well, you know, any everybody who's ever drank water uh, has died. It, That's true. <laughs> every dead That's person has drank fact. water at some point. So. No,
1: Big water right doesn't want you to time. know that.
2: <laughs> Big water.
3: <laughs> Big Chicago Nestle.
1: <laughs> i think every day about the person who was running for like metropolitan water district counselor or something one of those niche local elections that i was mm-hmm. like i'm trying to put in the research who are you uh this lady claimed she had a phd in water and then (laughs) when it came time for the chicago pride parade a bunch of politicians and their like whole entourage were in it my girl was marching in it alone carrying her own campaign sign (laughs) to try and push along her cause uh she did lose but (laughs) i think about her every day
0: i'm sure there are lots of things that could be studied about water but just the statement phd in water just sounds really yeah. stupid i'm sorry
4: I, yeah
3: i i buy that that's probably real it's just sounds very dumb
0: right yeah <laughs> so in a place where there is no canned water uh there is just a large <laughs> lake uh they are they're trying to figure out uh what uh what to do Um. Uh, Spook has been been offering some suggestions uh namely they need to kill the citizen uh but it is uh Cezid who has to uh make the call on what to do uh and as we've established that's not always comfortable for him
3: I'm kind yeah. of surprised Spook didn't just go, yeah, we definitely need to kill the citizen. He needs to die, and then his, his sister's going to be so sad and so lonely. It's kind of <laughs> like, this is top priority, guys.
2: <laughs> then it's spook time, baby. <laughs> and then I swoop in and comfort her. Yeah, that, that, sounds, sad like eyes. A, that sounds like a spooky plan.
3: Sad, sad eyes.
2: You must be sad because your brother's a dick. There's no other reason. <laughs> so, uh, Cezid does throw a, a bit of
0: a philosophical wrench into this, uh, in, uh, he suggests that maybe we can, we can work with Quallion, uh, which Spook is, is not happy about. Uh, and Caesar says, I don't know if I can fault his views. Uh, and Caesar raises the point that we've been, been talking about of, Quellian has certainly somewhat co-opted Kelsier's rhetoric, but he's also not entirely making it up. These are things that Kel said. And Sazed worked very closely with Kel for longer than, I think, most of this crew. Uh, and and knew very well the, the kind of things that Kel wanted. You know, Breeze says that uh, Kel spoke of extreme actions during extreme times, but... This is the end of the world. You can't get a it's more extreme, extreme time. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there is a, a bit of a tension there of... uh, You know, Sazed points out, do you think Kel would be happy that we went and put a nobleman on the throne? And nobody has a good answer for that.
4: Well,
2: I mean, I don't know if anybody in there knows this, but, you know, Kel did... Wasn't it, like... Kelsier, Kelsier saw Elend Yeah He saw Elend in that fight He tangentially died because of his saving Elend Yeah
4: it, it, There's or, a
2: little or, bit of that, yeah Yeah So, I don't know <laughs> Saving a coloss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so selfless This whole time
3: I love the I love that Ellen is a coloss theory, especially looking back on the conversation of Vin going, "I'll never have any respect for
2: a coloss."
1: <laughs> Turns to her husband.
2: <laughs> Ellen's eyes narrowed, <laughs> and, that, and that's the only clue you get. It's just Ellen's eyes narrowed, and then on we go.
3: They narrowed, comma like a coloss. all
0: right Uh, i am also amused by um breeze trying to wrap up his thoughts on the situation of uh we do need to seize these supplies for the empire uh we need to seize this cash and protect the people of Urto. it's for the greater good and all that
2: (laughs) (laughs) and all that and you know some such nonsense
1: i love that it's it's such a good distillation of like Breeze is changing, and he is becoming like a legitimately better person. But he's still Breeze, so yeah. <laughs> and all that.
2: Now, it's time then... to break out the blackboard, heist planning. <laughs> what do we do? B- Breeze says, "I'll fix. Th- I'll. I'll figure out how close the city is to rebelling." That's it. <laughs> no one else has a role. There is the,
3: the discussion of, well, why don't we just do it like last time? And Breeze said, well, we don't have Kelser anymore. A statement that I'm sure Spook will not internalize at all.
2: Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I know I jumped the gun, but I'm very excited to, to talk about how the only person who has an uh, 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 a course of action for the moment is Breeze. The rails just twiddles their thumbs.
3: I like to imagine Breeze, like, takes out a chalkboard, but it's like one of those little handheld ones, mm-hmm. and it's just big enough for him to write his part of the plan on it. It's like, <laughs> all right, just like Kelsier, we're good to go.
0: And then just puts that down in front of him and says, all right, what are all, what is everyone else going to do? <laughs> uh, however, at the moment, they are going to just have some time to kind of get themselves in place, do some thinking. Uh, And in Sazed's case, he's going to return to his project, uh, which is uh, working through the religions of the world. Uh, It is still not providing him any answers. Uh, He does have a a brief tangent that I think would be very interesting of uh, going out to the, the city outside and figuring out what this kind of offshoot i guess of the church of the survivor uh, is like uh he he says he's already uh thrown out that as a an actual religion it has plenty of contradictions some of which i assume come from knowing the man Uh, but there's a there's a hint of Sazed the scholar looking to to go kind of catalog the world
3: yeah and i would love Sazed's perspective on like would it be an offshoot? Because I don't know what the percentages are like in Luthadel of the Church, but here it seems like you kind of have to believe in Kelsier to an extent, or there's a chance to just get burnt to death. Yeah. Um, so in terms of what's the quote-unquote real Church, I think in of itself would be a very interesting discussion.
0: I was just checking back over the uh, the annotations to see if I missed anything, and there's one that I uh, uh, I do like to point out just because it's a it's a fun it's not a, a, a Brandon cameo, but it is Brandon's friends and writing group, uh, kind of l- leaning in here, uh, where, uh, some of his early writing group were very concerned about, um, Cezod and crew, uh, getting themselves boxed in, in this cavern where they could very easily be surrounded and, and not let out, uh, most uh, the the most vocal of those was a a friend who goes by Scar, who Beth, you have seen Scar in uh, Stormlight, uh, who is former military and was was very concerned about the the angles of approach here, uh, but Brandon said in his mind it is safer in the place with all of the supplies, even if they can't immediately get out.
2: I can't believe there's a lion in the writing group
1: i i can't believe there's Or and now i'm all mixed up who what <laughs> his name's scar
2: his name is scar with a k <laughs> oh even more extreme
0: i believe that's actually just i i think his name is is like something Scarstet, but he goes by scar usually
1: because that's cooler
0: yeah but but also he shows up in Wave kings as a soldier named scar beth do you want to try to rewind to what you were going to say
1: oh god yeah uh i was just gonna say <laughs> something about how it's it would be it would have to be a fairly comprehensive siege in order to break a group who is holed up in a place filled with supplies intended to feed an entire empire <laughs> right that was worth the wait you're welcome citizens
0: there is uh, one other thing, of course, in this storage cache, as all the others. Uh, there is an inscribed plate with uh, some thoughts from Rashek, Uh, And they are surprisingly introspective for the man that we know who ruled the world for a thousand years. There are also threats in there, but...
3: There are, but <laughs> a lot of these have been... And I'm sure this is just kind of meant to, uh, harken back to the writing style of that era, but a lot of these read almost more like the Elendi journal than they do like rashek Um, there, there's a lot of, I still am not on Ellen's thing of he wasn't evil. He was just misunderstood, but we do get a lot of, <laughs> of, of depth from, uh, Rasek was had a lot more cooking than he let on, um, in terms of planning for the future. Um, and yeah i just think that is very interesting still definitely evil but yeah
0: we also see on this uh, this plate was uh th- this is where the crew discovered uh, electrum uh the totally real actual metal that is an alloy of gold and silver uh, I that be helps when them I see it
3: justin <laughs> <laughs> that
0: that helps them uh fight against ATM burners uh, so that was uh that was where this came from
2: he's doing all this to protect his people Ign- ignore the blood fountains <laughs> yeah
3: that's like... that's to protect them too they just don't know it
0: <laughs> it's for the greater good that's the thing about the lord ruler isn't <laughs> it is that is that like anything that we see that's you know additional complexity and 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 all that about him we do have to keep in mind the blood fountains and the executions
3: what they don't know about they haven't found the cache that's underneath Luthadel that's just a cache full of all the blood from the fountains and he's like look it's for blood (laughs) donations I I had a plan the whole time it was just for you guys
2: the secret second stash in (laughs) Luthadel that's not the cache that's just the well there's a cache there too
0: so the the next moment that we have here uh, is I think this is the first time this book that uh, actually this is a kind of a, a rare uh, duo to actually have some time to just talk with each other. Overall, uh, Spook gets to check in with with Cazed and share some things that he's been thinking about. And the the thing in particular is that Spook says that Kelsier is still here in a way, and there's a there's a kind of back and forth swing of. Uh, you know, he, not that he's, you know, alive and, and here, like, that, that's not a thing that, like, even though that is kind of part of the Church of the Survivors, Spook is, like, not, not like that, but he is, you know, protecting us somehow, uh, and says interprets this as a, uh, kind of, you know, uh, just a, a good mental image or a good thought to keep in mind, uh, but Spook, Having seen some interesting things, it says. And I think this is a, this is a little more direct than that. Uh, and and Spook is looking for perhaps some religious insight into this matter.
3: Right before this conversation, there is a moment that is very unintentionally funny. Says it is luckily very perceptive, um, and notices, oh, uh, Spook's like tin is overloaded, and it's like making it it making it hard for him to see. Um, so he likes it when it's dark But if someone had not been paying attention To the fact that um, uh, Spook's eyes are getting Overloaded with light It's established that there's two lanterns On the like shoreline of the lake And Seizit is reading there And then Spook walks up turns, like, Puts out one of the lanterns And then takes his blindfold <laughs> off And starts talking While Seizit was reading It's like... awfully rude
1: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> You will pay attention to me now. Just, just imagine, like
3: being in a room, in like the living room, and then your roommate walks in and just turns the light off while you're reading a book, and then starts talking to you. Like <laughs> just, it's it's such a dick move out of context.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And the two of them have uh, a, a conversation that is is still hard for Sazed, Uh where uh, spook is is looking for some religious advice and as we've seen says it is not in the place to to give it anymore uh though spook is more understanding than than some others of this being
2: a a thing that that says it has changed his mind on i i want to say this i don't want to i want to say it in a way that is not offensive uh i don't stop (laughs) me if it's offensive spook Spook is kind of dumb. Spook is kind of an idiot. But but I really appreciate that he's written in such a way that he can still like c- contribute knowledge even though says it is very clearly much more intelligent than Spook is here. I <laughs> I don't know if I'm miles off here but it, that's no oh, i think I get that's on it. it's like
3: i would i would not say offensive um i think that that kind of checks out because spook kind of gives some insight to Sazed accidentally which i did think was actually yeah. really interesting of oh yeah you probably don't want to talk about religion anymore because tyndool hated it and she would have wanted you to have given up and Sazed has kind of like a moment of oh shit is that that's <laughs> no wait hang on that's wait no <laughs> um, and it's just, like, I think helpful for Saisen's character development in a way that he did not intend. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was, that was a really interesting way of, of, of kind of moving this conversation and these, this kind of character relationship forward.
1: Totally. Like, Justin, like you said, this is kind of an unexpected duo to have a scene together, and it's not very long. But there is some juicy stuff in here, both of that ending realization and slightly earlier in the conversation where Spook is, like everyone else, expects Sazen to start evangelizing to him. And when he does it, he's just like, okay. And it seems like Sazen finds that kind of helpful to have someone who isn't like, as well-meaning as Breeze has been, like, well, come on, what do you think- what What do all of your religions think about this? Tell me. Tell me now. It, it feels like this conversation- has shifted Saison's gears slightly. And it's, I I agree. Seuss is, uh, yeah. spook is a source you wouldn't Seuss. expect that from. All Seuss from Gravity like Falls Seuss. also is not a source I would expect that from, but Gravity Falls slaps, so I'll allow it.
3: Um, Yeah, and I think that carries through to the end of the chapter, because Saison's claimed for most of this that, like, I, I'll find the truth sometime by getting through all these religions, but... I've never really believed him. I feel like for the most part, he's been like trying to find contradictions that it could be like, ha, you didn't have the truth. Um, and at the end of this chapter, um, he he pulls out the next religion in his portfolio, began to consider it. The sooner he got through them, the sooner he could hopefully find the truth. And like this time, I actually believe it, that he really is still holding out hope for this. Um, and I don't know if that's the mindset he had before.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is, a, it is an interesting turn on the way that we've seen this interaction with Sazed go. And we will have to see uh, where it returns to, though not in this section, because this is, this is where we will leave the the Urto group for the, the end of this episode. Onwards to 32, uh, we're going to start talking in our epigraphs about uh, preservation and ruin. Uh, with the claim that allomancy obviously, this is a thing that we all know, <laughs> is of preservation.
3: Uh, I I wrote this down and I just wrote, allomancy obviously, in brackets, okay man, is of preservation.
2: <laughs> Caleb, the rational mind will see this. Neither of us are I, rational, th- apparently. <laughs> th-
4: well, here's the fucking wild
3: thing, I'm going to wait for the theory section, but like, this is the epigraph that's like the first time in this whole book that I'm like, i don't know if the epigraph writer is correct about this this doesn't feel a hundred percent right i'll get into it later but like yeah this is it's 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 very interesting but perhaps i'm just too irrational
0: (laughs) well yeah we will have to see uh opening chapter 32 we have the uh the payoff for sam's micro prediction uh is, Ellen, is that really you? Prediction, is it Teldon? It's Teldon. <laughs> it's
2: Teldon. A man Bart is back. And it's actually Teldon. Can, can, <laughs> can I just say, like, every other time that we've been like, oh, the good character's back, it's been like, oh, I I was this guy, and now I'm f- fucking riffraff. Like, this is Teldon returning as Teldon. And yep. the funny thing is, Ellen is not really, like, himself from book one anymore yeah so (laughs) it's it's done as a foil which is really cool it's this is the flip side of it we've seen so many times the other way around but this time Mm -hmm. it is you who has changed
1: (laughs) yeah i think it's you know we've we've had a few people point out that Fadric city is just sort of carrying on business as usual and this is a very concrete example of it of like we're returning to the ball and the ball feels the same and not only does it feel the same teldon is here and it's like he's been preserved in amber cuz he hasn't changed
0: <laughs> yeah you know brandon mentions in the annotations you know he he was uh he was a bit of of the dandy of the group uh back in the days of of fourth voice uh, and <laughs> He still is just kind of, like, hanging out at the ball here, just just doing his thing. And, yeah, they, they get a, a bit of a chance to, to chat, and Teldon is certainly the one who is surprised by how much Ellen has changed. Outright says, uh, you know, Ellen says, I can't be the man I was, and he Teldon outright says, you became the Lord Ruler instead.
4: Hmm.
2: <laughs> hey, look, it's the broad arc of the book. Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: we we can see inside Ellen's head some chapters, and we know that at least, hopefully, he is not the Lord Ruler. But for for someone who lives in this city that he has arrived to conquer, eh, if you squint a little bit,
3: I I love how this kind of challenges Ellen's own view, but it also is like so hypocritical to tell him to be like, oh, you're just another Lord Ruler. He said, "Living in Lord Ruler Land, like the Disneyland <laughs> of Lord Ruler." <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and and Alan even brings that point up, kind of on his side of, uh, you know, the the people don't want the Lord Ruler, but they do want structure and regime in some way, uh, and so maybe me being in charge here would be a good thing for them. Teldon was not invited to the wedding. Teldon was also not invited to the wedding, which is because literally nobody was invited to the wedding. It happened in five minutes. That's
2: true. <laughs> well, uh well well somebody was very hurt. Was yeah. So Yeah.
3: I I do love this dynamic, especially in contrast with Jasti's, where like the entire time was either, what are you doing here, man? Or hey, what did you just do? I'm gonna kill you. Um the fact that because Tilton has not changed at all, they can still kind of have normal conversations of like the stakes are so high. And then Tilton's like, I didn't even get an invite to the wedding, man. Um, I don't know. It was just very kind of fun to see these two friends still be friends. And yet there's also that tension because Ellen's like, I don't even know if he knows that I killed Jasties. Like there's, th- yeah. they know there's a lot more at stake here. And yet they're kind of like still putting up this, facade sounds like a bad thing. I think it's actually very enjoyable, but they're still putting up this front of like, we're still buddies from back in the day, right? Um mm-hmm. I just think it's very interesting.
0: I I do also uh I like you know Teldon as the 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 one who was trying to give Ellen advice about girls. Um you know he he says you know you you, you did well marrying Vin. Uh and Ellen points out you were the one who Was telling me that she was a spy, which Teldon was right about, and Uh, Ellen married her anyway.
3: (laughs) (laughs) She was acting suspiciously. He was correct about that.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, like, all of the intervening stuff that has happened aside, this is just a fun moment of these two friends reuniting. And then you have to remember all of the intervening stuff that's happened in between. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I didn't tell him that he killed Jastys. I just wanted him to turn around and be like Oh by the way, I cut Jasty's <laughs> fucking head off <laughs> <laughs> Teldin's face went white Ellen turned back around and walked up to Yeoman <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> just a thing that you should know
1: He's buried in, buried in the woods somewhere
0: <laughs> And so, moving on from the, the conversation with Teldin Which overall was fairly low stakes. Uh we move to a a much more intense situation uh as ellen has decided that it is time to approach uh King yeoman and go sit at the high table and have a bit of a, a negotiation.
3: I like the scene. The scene's good.
0: Yeah, no it is uh it's it's very high stakes uh but in a different way than a lot of the other high stakes scenes have been this is this is purely a a diplomatic and an academic exercise but it still does feel very tense there is a uh, there's a bit of a the way that ellen starts out uh he is being he, he he's putting on the image of uh book one ellen venture who doesn't care about the balls and the society and all that and it feels a bit out of place here, and I, it, I feel like he does have to to drop it before too long, uh, but it it perhaps does serve the Im- intended use of uh, getting Yeoman to
2: engage with him.
3: You are a flagrant and garish man. There's a new Tinder profile for you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the man wearing a t m as jewelry says "You're a flagrant and garish man right the the one
3: <laughs> sitting
0: at a table set with with crystalline dishes in the middle of a of a society ball it's a it's a little odd yeah <laughs> and I am too right i mean <laughs> in fairness, Ellen did arrive at this party by dropping from the sky, so to to yeoman there so yeah the uh the two of them have a uh they have a a debate they they're going to discuss the the right of rule over this city uh and they they have their their points back and forth yeoman points out that uh at least for the city of luthadel uh was not elected ruler there he was in fact deposed and someone else was elected and uh you know they they are going to they're going to debate the the kind of lineage of the Lord ruler's rule uh, on one side you have Yeoman who was part of the organization that the Lord ruler oversaw and on the other side you have Elland,
2: who by association with Vin took that rule by force. <sighs> this scene is, is 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 it's interesting um. Uh Uh-oh, that means you didn't like it. (laughs) Well, this is the first time we've seen Ellen to be sarcastic and witty in, like, two books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's been a while. Uh, And it's also wholly and entirely inappropriate for this situation. It almost, kind of is. You know, um... uh, So he does, like, get a good counterpunch with, Doing your best includes conquering my city. I'm not good at lying, so I'll be truthful with you. I don't want to kill anyone. Like, that little bit is good. But then... Yeoman comes back with, Do you know why I dislike men like you? And he says my insufferable charm and wit, and goes on from there and it's like, Ellen.
3: Yes, yes, that's exactly why he doesn't like you
2: <laughs> y- You gotta like this is not a guy who would respect that approach. Right. And and like a a page or so later,
0: uh they start they start breaking out the uh some, some textual references. You know, they they start digging deep into these scholarly works that they've both studied uh and you know if ellen had started with that it might have been more effective
3: yeah and i do love that of like ellen is still on the whole kind of new to this whole like act like a noble thing he really still has not done that much in terms of like negotiating with others he did a little bit in well of ascension and it generally did not go well um i so yeah i was a little annoyed when he he starts going i doubt it's my good looks but in comparison to you my face could be enviable like i thought that was that was you know immature and not helpful but then once they start once they do find common ground and start talking about texts i really really appreciated it because it was like oh this is my wheelhouse this is his wheelhouse now we can have an actual discussion mm-hmm. um and i did appreciate the transition there one note that i also thought was strange was ellen saying i was trained by a surly mistborn a sarcastic terrorist man, and a group of disrespectful thieves Tindwell was a lot of things. I don't know if my first adjective would be sarcastic. She was a pretty straight shooter, all things considered. <laughs>
1: yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah, I also love this scene. Because it's another... It, it feels like another situation of, of showing what has been told. Because we've been told, like, Yeoman is a good man. He has the interests of his people at heart. And I think the fastest way to get us sort of interested in him as a character, is to establish that he is similar to Elend in many ways. He is also a scholar. They can have this sort of scholarly debate. And just to like, slip that into these tense negotiations. Big fan.
3: Yeah, and and I also just really appreciate, again, in terms of like, they're kind of similar. Yeah, Yeoman's like first, first big jab about you don't have a right to the city Um, you don't have a right to be the emperor. Ellen's like, he's got a point. He's kind of right. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's the, that, that is the first sign of not only is Yeoman very smart, that is, that is Ellen's first indication of, oh, okay. He is into political philosophy. The idea of who has the right to the throne is important to him. He's Mm -hmm. not just going to be a bully about it. Um, and that kind of allows for the transition into the philosophical discussion, which I thought was a very fun progression of the conversation.
0: So that, uh, that part of the negotiation concludes when uh, the the thing that, that Yeoman says that he finds uh, possibly the, the most uh, distasteful uh, is that Ellen is a hypocrite for conducting these, the these uh, scholarly negotiations while having an army camped outside. And that, that, Threat does kind of make everything else a wash, uh, and and Ellen says that you know I I I you didn't listen to me when I tried to negotiate, so I had to send the army. Uh, but they uh, yeah they they try to uh, Ellen tries to to put together you know what is his actual demand here, uh, which. On the the worldly scheme of things, is seems like a decent deal for Yeoman, uh, in that Ellen says, uh, you know, you remain in charge here. I am just the emperor over that, and I need what's in the cavern, and and that's it. Uh, and that last bit does uh, Ellen does manage to surprise Yeoman with that one. So that is uh, uh, even with that uh, that surprise there of yes i know about the cavern and and that's what we need uh yeoman is is not willing to negotiate any further in the end uh and that is where it is going to uh, that's where it's going to break down and ellen says you know i'll i'll get back to you in a few months when you're when you're starving a little bit more
2: asks a servant to get him something and he does and we will get back to that
0: very shortly, I need uh. you
3: to go count some skulls for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we we return to Vin, uh, who has started enjoying the ball. She has remembered the the good times that she spent there, uh, and though the the hidden stakes are different, they're still present. Uh, but she does manage to to have some some time to to talk with the people to enjoy the, the whole atmosphere of the ball. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, Vin can have a little happy moment as a treat.
1: <laughs> One happiness.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, shortly after we see Ellen return from his negotiations and the, uh, mysterious, uh, errand of the, the servant that he sent, uh, because he has, he has arrived to, uh, to rejoin his wife uh and decides that uh, they are going to have a dance because they never did get that opportunity and so it, it's time to take it now
3: he has to rescue her from a virtual army of puffballs by the way virtual army of puffballs will be the debut album of my band homicidal hat trick
0: love it <laughs> and I, I do like that right after ellen says that uh vin is thinking like i was enjoying my time here actually <laughs> but yeah she uh, she was distracted by that fact and does not realize that they have been led to the dance floor uh and it is uh it is time to dance except that right at the moment that it is time to dance uh ellen pulls out a
2: book and i love this moment too
1: it's so good
2: i would be mad too okay
3: Okay, yeah, I'm glad you guys like it.
0: <laughs> oh no, like Ellen's an asshole here. Like it's it's really bad, but it makes me laugh.
3: I don't know. I think it's it's annoying Vin, and then also it's fucking weird. Like you're trying to build prestige at this ball and show how like refined you are, and then you do this weird shit. I don't know. I I I, I thought it was very I thought it was I thought it was dumb, I'm sorry.
0: All right.
1: <laughs> I still think it's cute. I just, but I it's don't, not, I, not
3: cute. I don't particularly find it cute when it's, oh, we've waited so long for this dance, and now I'm going to remind you of that time when I was not, uh, when I was an asshole, when I was a fuckboy. It's like, that's, that's, that's not what I wanted to be reminded of about this dance.
1: I don't know. I think, it, like, if we're viewing this as, like, it's kind of a time capsule, like, that was part of the romance. And also, he pulls it out for, like, 30 seconds.
3: I remind you, I didn't like it back then either.
1: <laughs> That's true. He puts it away.
3: Yeah, it is. It is short-lived.
0: Uh, Ellen does get to, to point out that he was in his own very strange way, trying to be romantic as this is, in fact, the same book uh, that he was trying to read uh, the first time that they met. But uh, after that, they get to have a dance. And given that it is the world that they are now in where subtlety is kind of out the window and there's no time for that anymore, uh, they get to be two Mistborn dancing with each other, which is something quite spectacular. And I I like that, that that moment gets to be shown.
1: Yeah, I love this too. I I hope that when this gets adapted to some sort of screen thing, we like set aside some time for like a fully choreographed dance sequence just to let them have this moment.
3: Yeah, and I want it to be like, you know crouching tiger style like they're on strings doing like impossible stunts with their allomancy I, like mm-hmm. it I doesn't have to be like incredibly over the top but i do want it i i agree i do love the actual dancing part of the scene i should clarify
0: and then we we leave that moment uh they they decide that in a couple of weeks there's going to be another ball Uh, it's going to be at the Canton building where the secret cache is hidden. Uh, and so there's a, there's a perfect opportunity there to attend the ball, do some more negotiation, and also possibly sneak into the cavern. Uh, and so that is, that is the rest of the plan. Uh, and the chapter is going to end with the two of them, uh, addressing the, the people there, uh, Ellen says, thank you for letting us join you. Anyone who wants to escape the city will be allowed. And then they
2: fly away, and it's great. We it's gonna be just like the Alesso heist from Payday 2. Yep.
3: Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> one more thing. I if Ellen already knew there was going to be a a ball at the Canton. Should he not have waited to reveal that he knew about the storage cavern? Because I feel like now that Yeoman knows, Ellen knows, it's going to be a lot harder to just be like, why don't we waltz down and see if we can find that cavern? I feel like he's going to be on guard now. Whereas if he just waited to drop that bomb later, they might have an actual chance of sneaking in without Noah noticing. I feel like Yeoman's going to have it on lockdown now.
0: It might be tipping his hand a bit too much. I can I can see that. I also am amused by the the note as they are making their dramatic exit uh, that Ellen is thinking that it's fortunate that he didn't hit anything as he's flying out of the room.
1: <laughs> I I think it's, I interpreted that as being from Vin's point of view, which I think is even better. <laughs> Because she goes first, and then is just, like, crossing her fingers, like, please don't run into the ceiling, please don't run into the... Okay, thank God, let's go. <laughs> yep, yep, let's go.
0: Okay, <laughs> we're out of here. But yeah, that is... Uh, w- we have set the stage for for further development in Phadrix. Uh And before we close up our section, uh, we have one more epigraph and one more short chapter uh, checking in on what's going on with Tensoon. Uh, our epigraph, we have a... Uh, a counterpart to the last one discussing allomancy and preservation uh which is that hemallergy is of ruin uh as it is is destructive uh, it loses power as as it goes also not so sure about this one either
3: no i'm very okay. happy with this epigraph okay because it confirms that it takes abilities from one person and giving them to another, which is a theory that I had, and we didn't get confirmation until just now. That
0: That is true, yes. That is that is a thing that I had kind of just assumed was already... It's one of those things where I lose track of where we actually know it. But yes, at this point, we do know uh, that the the mechanic of Hemology is that it takes uh, powers from one person and grants them to another.
3: I will not be denied my podcast points, Justin.
0: We'll we'll give you we'll give you some podcast points there. Uh, so yeah, we uh this is our our first appearance of uh, Tensoon uh, in quite a while uh, as it is uh, it is time for the next stage of his judgment. He has been uh, been re given the the bones of the dog body uh, and has returned to to that shape uh, and is is being led to uh, to hear. Uh, what his fate is mm. and this is a uh this is a short chapter we're gonna jump right into the 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 dramatic moments of it uh where Tensun uh having been given an audience is going to one more time get a chance to to make some some statements to the the chandra as a whole uh he says that he is 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 here to give information and not be judged uh and is is speaking uh, directly to the first generation up there in their alcoves, hopefully. And the thing that uh, that Ten Soon has to say uh, is that it is the end of the world, uh, and that the the first generation must be ready to accept the resolution, capital R.
4: <laughs> mm. mm. Which
3: which one would that be cuz we've heard about one and i don't know if we should accept that one right now
0: <laughs> which one's that Caleb
3: uh, that would be the one where uh, all the contra have to commit
2: suicide that's a, a one that would be a problem wouldn't it
3: i would i wouldn't i wouldn't want that
2: i was more focused on the fact that uh i was wrong <laughs> in that the the first generation are living things and not sock puppets
3: yeah, well, at least one of them is at, Yeah, I was going to say
1: yeah.
2: at least one. It's uh, just
1: one dude surrounded by 10 sock puppets.
0: Uh, and it's Jeff Dunham and the the
4: things, oh god.
3: Reset the clock on times I have heard Jeff Dunham mentioned ever, not in the podcast ever. <laughs>
2: I have a joking internet hatred for Jeff Dunham. It is entirely ironic. Is He's an inoffensive guy. I mean, his jokes are kind of offensive now, looking back on it. But, uh, you know, he doesn't do any... He doesn't, like, stand out as anything. But I've chosen to hate him for no reason at all. So screw you, Jeff Dunham. Fair enough. You know what you did.
0: <laughs> and what he did is performed jokes with puppets? <laughs> he did
3: something. Okay. He knows. Okay. I don't know, but you do.
0: Okay. You do, Jeff. So this uh this first generation Kondra, who is apparently now Jeff Donham, I hope that gets revised when we get to our <laughs> casting. Uh <laughs> this thing simply says that that Kanpar should proceed. Uh, and that uh kind of deflates the moment a bit, uh, that Ten Soon was hoping for. Uh and and Kanpar resumes uh Giving his sentence, uh, which is that uh, Tensoon will be will will have his bones broken, be imprisoned for ten generations, and will then be starved, which seems extreme to me. Come on, yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. Chongar has to have had it rough if you have this entire form of imprisonment named after you like i'm very curious how that came about yeah
2: we're also edging toward klingon in the terms changar is very like
3: klingon it kind does of it.
0: have that feel you're not wrong a little bit yeah. especially for this you know horrific torture method uh, something they would sign off on yeah but the uh the the moment that that turns here uh, tensun's gambit had paid off of getting them to to give him the the dog bones again, uh, because as we've seen, some of these uh, more sheltered Chandra aren't too used to the actual capabilities of various bodies, uh, and tensun just makes a run for it. You know, he 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 jumps away as they try to attack him. Uh, he is a a large dog. Thank you, Vin. Uh and <laughs> m- and also a lot of these these canter here, especially the the third and particularly Kanpar are wearing these very decorative not very substantial bones. And uh yeah, as as Sam says, uh he leaps away from the hammer bros, uh attacks Kanpar, <laughs> breaks his bones, and fuck that
2: guy.
4: Fuck that guy.
2: <laughs> fuck you, Kanpar.
3: I I did find it very funny that I, it was clever of him getting the bones back. I know there was like a lot of thought that went to that, but the idea that when it comes to the actual escape, the grand plan of how he's going to get out of this one is, I will just be fast. That yeah, is the just plan.
0: Just run for it. Just run for it.
1: <laughs> I also like there's a specific line of like, Ten Ten soon is thinking to himself like, what kind of vain fool wears a true body made of crystal. Tensou thought shoving his way through the ranks of the seconds, shattering bones <laughs> It really made it seem like it was just each member of the second generation was a checklist on a to-do list. And he just kept, <laughs> okay, go and get you and go and knock over you. Okay. Okay. And now we can go.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, as he is, is fleeing, uh, it's funny. The, the Condra who are more used to the outside world, uh, their response is to panic and run. It's not to like try to stop him. It's they're the ones who have the the quick thinking to panic. Uh and the more sheltered Kondra are just kind of sitting there watching, because they don't even know what to do. Is that allowed? I mean, it seems like a lot of Condra society is based on just declaring that something is not allowed and then people don't do it. So just
2: actually run for it kinda works. <laughs> This is like the exact flip side of Coloss. Of like, when you attack Coloss, they're like, what? What's? Oh, you're, what? Oh, my God. And then they fight back, but here it is. Like, you're disobeying our rules? What? Ah. And, then, <laughs> and then nothing happens, yeah. <laughs> nothing happens. Wait, you didn't want to get hit with our hammers? Right. <laughs> Hang on.
0: Tensoon gets to uh, make an impressive leap. Uh, which he points out uh, is something that Vin had him doing all the time. So he knows that he can do uh, and off he goes uh, running out of the, the Condra homeland and we'll see where we see him next as we wrap up part two. Yeah. So yeah, we've uh, we've kind of, consolidated some plot threads with uh urto now being where both spook and the season and breeze group have ended up uh we've kicked things off in a major way in in Fadrax with the uh, uh the negotiations actually starting and Tensun has now uh concluded the the chandra homeland part of of that plot and is off into the world where we'll see where we run into him next
3: I think we'll never see Tensun again.
2: (laughs) Tensun tried to cry at Skadriel's funeral.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He just wouldn't come.
2: All right. Uh, Yeah,
0: that means that we have some uh, post-reading sections to do, uh, one of which is casting, uh, where we have uh, most notably Yeoman, and then uh potentially another smaller roller too some of the, the ladies of the court um a perhaps a voice for the the unnamed first generation if we don't want to go with jeff dunham
4: uh
0: <laughs> we can check in on our casting and then uh go to go to predictions and and see what we've come up with now we've gotten some good information i feel like there's going to be some things to
2: dig into let's do it so uh my casting um I see Yeoman as uh I cast uh Paul Dano um from a bunch okay, of stuff. Yeah. Uh I like that Swiss Army Man. <laughs> Most recently he was in uh Bat the Batman. The Batman,
3: uh, yes. The Batman. By the
2: way, Swiss Army Man is a very good movie about a farting corpse. Sure uh, is true. It's, it's actually great. I love that movie.
3: It's it's a really good movie. It's the same same folks who did everything everywhere all at once. Mm -hmm. So, if you liked that, watch Swiss Army Man.
2: Also funny, uh, the creators of that, um, they said that there were three things that they hated. They hated uh, acapella, um, body humor, and Cotton Eye Joe. And they decided to make a movie about all three. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think they literally were like, we hate these things. Let's see what we can do with them. So, Swiss Army Man. Um. So Paul Daniel. Uh Lady Patterson, I I did a uh, Kaylee Cuoco, uh which is Penny from Bing Bong Theorem. I don't know, why not? <laughs> Just going out. We'll never see her I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Bing Bong Theorem?
3: That's not that's, bong that's bong what theorem. it is, I think. Yeah. That's the one what where the the guy about? always says Bazongo. mm Mhm.
2: The <laughs> Dongos. The <laughs> Dongos. <laughs> Uh, and until then, remains Bart Thompson from Graduating Life. Okay. Uh, n- no recast because Brandon didn't recast. Good job. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. And then Jeff Dunham
3: uh, as as first generation, I imagine.
2: Oh yeah, well, I'm I'm still, you know what? I never ca- I didn't put a casting for first generation, so I'm just gonna do Jeff Dunham. Why not? Okay. Jeff yeah. Dunham as all the voices of the first generation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Let's just jump right into predictions. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. We have twenty-five minutes, so I'll just jump in. Great. Um. So, uh, let me see. Uh, who's gonna do what in the next section? Rattle these off here. Uh, human, starting low here. Vin will eventually have her questions answered through observation and asking carefully crafted questions. Um. I have some trouble believing that he'll integrate into biological human society, but who knows? We'll see. Uh. Tensoon's gonna go to Luthadel, spread whatever message he has to spread, which I don't think we even really know. He's saying a lot of words we don't know. Uh. I think he's gonna kill someone <gasps> to prove that he's greater than a kanja or something. Um. And I think he'll also be of help in the upcoming volcano fight. Stay tuned for that. Hell yeah! Um, still to this day, I think Caleb and I both are informed on the fact that there is a volcano fight, but not on what's doing it. So I don't think it's spoiled yet. It's just there's a fight on top of a volcano. Okay. It's,
3: if there's not one, it's going to be really. I, this book would be a, I, I will. I will hold it personally against Brandon for the rest of the Cosmere.
2: Yeah um conjure writ large uh younger conjure are gonna heed milan who's gonna tell everyone hey i ten was right um and uh they'll either just you know we out or they will join the fight and like overthrow the first generation and then join vin and co that'd be fun um spook is infected by ruin uh, we've learned that hemallergy is of ruin, so therefore, thusly, he was actively stabbed Um This is what scholars would commonly refer to as probably a bad thing. Okay. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, it was not done when he was passed out. It was actually a sword that actually broke off in him. In other news, Arturo needs to fire its blacksmith. Um, <laughs> and he's... He's also going to turn eventually to the dark side which makes me sad um because Kelsier is ruined uh it'd be very strange if it is actually Kelsier I guess we'll see Um I have a couple more to rattle off. Uh, uh let me see I'll I'll do Vin and Elend uh next time they go to a ball something's going to go dreadfully wrong um obviously probably next ball is at the Canton of Resource uh I think that it's going to be uh gunpowder in there. Uh and then there's yeoman with a pistol and then gunshot fade to black. No oh boy Finn's <laughs> <Vince's> dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that'd be interesting. It's just yeoman <laughs> with a pistol. <laughs> or or what if what if we all completely misread what year it is and they're actually like a K forty sevens? Oh boy. <laughs> uh let me see. Uh Breeze Gordel Alrian. Uh the citizen won't make things easy for them, but I think they're gonna um end up in a fight with him. Uh so the citizen will make it hard for them. Uh eventually they'll need to kill him. Um I think that uh citizens going to attack first, crew's gonna fight back, and then the citizenry of Urto will rise up and they will kill the citizen. Okay. So there you go.
1: Citizen on citizen fight.
2: <laughs> citizens. Citizens versus citizen. Um, felt will keep being competent and awesome. Go felt, you're doing great. Um, so uh, then I'll jump to Marsh. He's the bad guy. Uh, they're gonna. He's gonna be the one with the volcano fight because you need to establish uh a mythology before you have a big bad fight. Uh, so I think that he's gonna fight them. Ruin will be like, let's just let him do his thing, and then he's gonna sacrifice himself in some way kind of do what he's planning to do um we'll see that'll be interesting um and then says the the hanging chad here uh uh i'm gonna briefly talk about uh one of my favorite games of all time red dead redemption um there's a section in it that i like to call red dead domestic life (laughs) okay um so uh plot summary of red dead redemption rattled off 30 seconds uh Uh, John Marston's family gets kidnapped by the FBI. They say you can have him back once you kill all your former gang member buddies. You go around the West, killing them one by one. Then you go down south to Mexico, where you participate in a civil war. roam all around the West, killing bandits, robbing saloons. You finally kill the leader of the gang. It's the climax. Everything's reaching a crescendo. You're excited for the next part. And then the FBI gives you your family and your ranch back. And the next hour and a half to two hours of the game is red dead domestic life. You do farm chores, you hang out with your son, hang out with your wife, corral cattle. It's like, what? And then, uh, not to spoil anything, but the plot continues uh, all of a sudden. Um, I want Seiza to have some Red Dead domestic life. Uh, stuff is popping off here, um, but the people in toe don't... He is not 100% absolutely direly necessary right now. I think he has some time to go back to the pits and, like, just live for a minute. Um, I think that it would be cool if he goes back to the pits, shepherds some sheep, reconciles some ledgers, talks to the terrorist refugees, uh, don't be an actual leader, but kind of be there. And then there's three options for the religion element. Uh, He'll either find a single religion that actually works. I don't think that's really going to happen. Most of the already named religions have been eliminated. So it would be some esoteric religion we don't know about yet. Um, Either that or he'll discover people don't really need religion. After all, put his copper mines away for good. That'd be kind of weird, but okay. Um, And then the one I think will actually happen would be most interesting. Uh, He'll create a syncretic religion out of multiple religions mashed into one. Um, maybe uncrumple a few of the crumpled pages, which I think are thrown away. But you know, <laughs> he's got the, he's got the copper mines. Yeah, uh, mix them together. Uh, it'd be a little irresponsible, but I think it'd be cool. Um, so I think that's that's it. Um, and yeah, that's that's me for this week.
0: Okay, that's a uh, that's a good check in with everything that we've got uh, a rundown on looking into parts three four and five all right uh from there we can check in with caleb on our uh additions to the cast and then see what what you have coming up
3: sure i'll try to keep it brief um for yeoman uh i try to think of someone the same age as ellen and i just couldn't think of anybody that i liked in the role so i'm slightly older and i have sam witwer as yeoman aka the man who carried the star wars franchise on his back for a few years there um <laughs> uh Sam Witwer is a wonderful human being and uh, it just gives it his all in every role he's ever been in. And I feel like he'd be very good as Yeoman. Um, For Lady Patterson, I have Patty Harrison. Um, I know I am committing the same cardinal sin as the She-Hulk show, which is underutilizing Patty Harrison. If you're going to cast her, you should give her some big scenes. (laughs) And I know she doesn't have a big scene if she's in this role, Um, but uh, she is featured in a couple of skits of, I think you should leave and as well as the bride in the She-Hulk episode, um and i don't know i just pictured her in the role and i was like yeah she would do a very good job in that role okay. um telden i'm still carrying over rodney rush because i decided all of ellen's buddies should be jesse's buddies from breaking bad um so what? rodney rush despite being in pretty much nothing except breaking bad i don't think um he's coming back as Teldon bring him back in here um and then lastly I swear to God, I was thinking of Parthenax. I made this decision before I saw the Mario Brothers movie, but I do have Charles Martinet as the first generation. Hell yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact, uh, another of his voice roles, uh, he is the narrator of Bit.Trip Runner 2, which is a very weird game. Huh. Okay.
3: But yeah, that's, that's what I got for casting.
0: And then uh, you mentioned a couple of things that you are going to have uh, some thoughts on so let's see what's coming up
3: yeah i do not have the uh, extensive like here's how i think the general plot is going to go this episode um but uh, a couple of more specifics um one that's not really a theory but just an observation um the whole idea of metal being inside your body makes it so that it's not affected by allomancy is good for making sure allomancy isn't overpowered but in terms of what's the in-world explanation for it it felt kind of like well that's just how it works um And now knowing that hemallergy is tied to, like, pounding metal into your body, I kind of like the idea of, like, metal can't be controlled by Allomancy if it's technically, in a weird way, under the domain of hemallergy instead. Mm -hmm. Um, I I kind of like that connection of Allomancy doesn't work because it's already kind of in a different area of magic right now. Um, Speaking of which, I've been focusing on that earring for the whole series, and it hasn't come into play yet, Vin's One Little Earring, but now I know it was mentioned, Justin, you mentioned like what constitutes a spike and what the conversation around that will be. Is the earring going to be like tied to hemorrhaging now? I don't know. Is there a chance that like it got, it was, it already had some sort of power in it when it was given to Vin? I don't know. Um, but what's the deal with the earring? The earring's got to come back. It has to, right? Right?
0: That would, I'm. I'm thinking back to When, um, what was it? When Vin was leaving the, uh, when, when, when Vin was leaving, uh, the thief's lair for the first time, and she was cataloging, like, the three or four worldly possessions she had, and there was the little chip of of obsidian that you were like, this must be important.
3: That, (laughs) I looked back this week to try and find that. She has pebbles, she has the earring, and she has the obsidian. The obsidian also has to be important because what I forgot is there's a weird carving in the obsidian that never gets mentioned. That has to be important, right? Coming to the the magic systems, something that was... Like that's so strange to me is that according to the epigraphs, alamancy is a preservation because net power is gained. It is provided by an external source, quote unquote, the body of preservation, which is mm-hmm. weird because the external source is metal. So is all metal tied to preservation? I don't know. That feels weird to me. Um, or is there something? Does external source mean something different from the fact that you're getting the powers from the metals? And then we have hemalurgy is ruin. Um, and, uh, that's because there's a net loss in power. But the weird thing is, Farukami exists. It's a third power system that's also tied to metals. And Farukami is, from what I can gather, it mostly stems from yourself. You just need to have metals on you. So that's right. like a net zero, no loss or no gain. And if we look at three magic systems, and one is preservation, and one is ruin, maybe it's my religious studies... Uh, bias coming in but it reminds me of Hinduism in which there's a very important aspect of the cycle missing which is creation there should be creation preservation and destruction so if allomancy is net gain you would think that would be tied to creation rather than preservation Hemolurgy tied to destruction that makes sense but Farukami seems like it would be tied more to preservation and I'm going wild with how does Farukami fit into the preservation versus ruin fight because that like hinduism analogy makes a lot of sense to me but it would be wild if the epigraph writer who is the current hero of ages is getting that very important detail wrong and if the epigraph writer is who we think it is he's getting it wrong he's getting something wrong about farukami which you'd think is the magic system he would get the least wrong about so i have no idea if i'm just wildly off base here if i am right about something i feel like it's probably like I feel like I'm stumbling onto, like, a grand Cosmere thing rather than a specific Hero of Ages thing. If I'm on to something here, I don't think my questions will be answered in this book. But where does Farukami fit into how the magic system's tied to preservation and ruin is something that has been really, like, messing with my head. And that's kind of where my my Charlie Day brain has been this this section of the book.
0: <laughs> okay.
3: Anyways, I have a couple other ones... <laughs> um uh actually much 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 more minor um one this is more of a short-term prediction but the uh, part three is called the broken skies which makes me think of ash and the mist and how those are tied together my guess is the broken skies even though the part titles often don't actually have a lot to do with the book my guess is that ruin's plans are like actually gonna start going into motion this section for the most part he's just kind of been chilling and waiting and i think we've we, we've set all of our, like, main characters on their plot lines now. And now I think it's time for the villain to actually, like, start doing a thing. And I think okay. it's going to start happening this time. Um, and then my last little bit is just uh, hearkening back to my, my Babe Ruth uh, point to the stands theory. Um, we do get a little moment in this uh, section where says is thinking to himself. And he has the thought bubble of, I am, comma, unfortunately, comma, in charge, which is a fun little phrase that also reminds me of another phrase we've read so far in this book, but uh yeah, that's what I've got,
0: okay, yeah, I like the 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 contrast here of sam has has given us like some we'll have a thing to check in on with every character as we get back to them p o v wise see where where that that came up uh and then Caleb, you've taken to to go for the Kind of like how does this actually work? Questions.
3: Yeah, the cosmology of it all. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll be able to to see uh, some of of both of those sides as we we go forward. Uh, starting part three. Uh, part three is, I believe, the shortest of the three parts. Yes, we're we're only going to be going to be doing two episodes on it, and they're both on the shorter side. Uh, so our next section. Uh, starts at chapter thirty four and runs through chapter thirty nine. Uh, to to get us ready for next week. And that will be where we rejoin in our next episode. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, you can find all of these episodes that we put up at podcast dot com, as well as emailing us at contact at podcast dot com. Uh, it's fun to uh, to check in with those. Uh, as we we have mentioned or not mentioned depending on which chronology you're you're going with uh we were recording quite a bit ahead of time we are now right on the uh the razor's edge of getting these recorded in time to go up uh so if you send us something now we will uh, be reading it approximately when you sent it so that'll be cool
3: that's that's that, i don't know what you're talking about we recorded last week that's
0: always how it works <laughs> what was i talking about uh, something that is uh, a little more uh, chronologically on track uh, are our other social media presences uh, we are on Instagram at always another pod as well as on Twitter at always another pod uh, you can see updates on new episodes there as well as some other kind of miscellaneous uh, thoughts expansions on what we were nattering on about etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: <laughs> love a good natter
0: it is quite evident that we all do
1: <laughs> maybe so
3: and not to be a natter but 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 what caleb
4: but, but I was what? referencing
3: national treasure justin yeah actually that's fair
0: that will be that Always will be fair. part of the ben gates
3: cut that's that's the, that's the end of the thought
1: I can't wait for when we get into the cache in Fadrix, and there's all these barrels of gunpowder. And Ellen leans down and looks at a skeleton and says, "But why would the captain be guarding this barrel?"
2: <laughs> oh God, we actually could.
3: I actually, I could easily see it being there's like trails of oil or gunpowder or whatever when they get down to a cache, and then they light it and it goes woof, and it lights up the whole room. All
0: right, I think with us. Uh, veering off to an entire other media property altogether. I think that is where we're going to wrap up our episode today. I appreciate everyone giving this a listen and we will return for more.
1: (laughs) Bree stands in a corner and says, look, stares with tears in his eyes. Stares!
4: Happy Easter, Ham is risen.